hardship. I'm Jiminy Eaglin, your certified trauma queen. I've been working with survivors of assault for over a decade. This season, it's going to be kind of different. I wanted to share with you all of the different businesses and all of the different work that I'm doing. And yes, it's still connected to survivors of assault and the different aspects of what that looks like and how the different businesses that I'm a part of is supporting and helping, healing and creating many things for individuals. For years, I've seen survivors portrayed without their voices ever being So, a quick content warning to let you know that we may be discussing some pretty hard things or pretty intense emotions may arise for you. If this is affecting you, take a break, take some breaths, take a walk, skip an episode. Whatever you need to do is the right thing for you. And whenever you're ready to come back, I'll be here. Hey y'all, a resource that I'm probably going to tell you about every episode is our sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a platform that connects you with a personal online therapist. They have hundreds of licensed therapists, even some of my friends work for them, and you can be connected within 24 hours. Now, these therapists are licensed and trained and they can support you in anything, basically, the things that are going on in your everyday life, PTSD, anxiety, childhood trauma, and so much more. And always, I would recommend seeing someone in person first, if that's an option. But online therapy is so amazing. Because especially if you are somewhere where you're not able to find a therapist that maybe you can connect with, someone that looks like you, has similar identities as you, and that aren't too expensive. With BetterHelp, you can filter to find exactly what kind of therapist you'd like, and it doesn't feel right with that per- and if it doesn't feel right with that person, feel free to switch. That's the coolest part. You can be like, "Hey, didn't really match well." They will switch you out with someone else within 24 hours. You can video chat, talk on the phone, do in-app messaging, and it's available for desktop or mobile. Go to betterhelp.com queen to find your personal counselor for as low as $35 a week. That is B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash queen. Let's get back to these wild stories. So as I've shared with you, I have multiple businesses that are still supporting the community as well as survivors. So today we're going to be talking about Centurico. Now I'm going to let my business partners introduce themselves, but what do we do? Who are we? We created this space as a more diverse representation to the field of intimacy coordination. We provide training in the field of intimacy coordination for film, TV, and theater. Our training program involves 75 hours of online classwork, guided independent study, a five-day in-person choreography workshop, followed by shadowing our instructors on set. And you get at least a year's worth of support from us. So while you're working, you don't have to feel like you're out there alone. Now, let's get started and let's meet uh, my business partners and learn a little bit more about intimacy, coordination, Maybe you've been thinking about it. Maybe you haven't, but here's the time. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be able to share with you all. I mean, you've already heard the intro, but I'm excited to share with you two amazing humans that tapped me to create a business with them and didn't know me for shit. It's wild. But I'm super excited for them to tell you a little bit about them and how we came up with this amazing business, and how you can also be a part of it later. So first, oh my God, um, Mia, can you introduce yourself, your name, your pronouns, and a little bit of a bio so these lovely humans can get to know you? Yeah, um, I'm Mia Schachter. I use they, them pronouns. Um, I am an intimacy coordinator for TV and film, which means that I help um, facilitate conversations around 
um, sex scenes and nude scenes um, on TV shows and in movies. Uh, it's really similar to a stunt coordinator, but but dealing with different content. Um, and that's also that's how I met Yehuda. Um, I um, I also am a boundary guide and a consent teacher, so I work one on one with people um, on both of those things. So kind of like finding and communicating and holding your boundaries, knowing what they feel like in your body, um, and also uh, learning consent and um, using different structures to do that, different vocabs to do that. Um, And I also teach boundary and consent classes online. And I have my own podcast called Share the Load. I think that's, that's a good, a pretty good starting picture of who I am. And for the record, Jim, I did know who you were before we met. I've been following you, and I've been listening to your podcast, and I had your workbooks. Okay, a little creepy, but I'm into it. I love it. Thank you so much. Um, No, it's, you know, that is a good start for us to get to know Mia, and I'm super excited for you all to continue learning more. Now, the other magical human in this tripod, Yehuda, can you tell us more about who you are, your name, your pronouns, and yeah, just give us your business. Tell us all about you. Hi. Thank you so much, Jim and Nika, for having us. Um, My name is Yehuda, and my background is an immersive theater maker in New York, uh, and that transitioned into an experiential director and designer. And so, yeah, I have like uh, an art and performance background uh, in New York City for many years. Um, And then I started working in sort of every, you know, a lot of adjacent fields to experiential design. So I've done everything from uh, being a burlesque dancer to working at Walt Disney Imagineering doing ride design. Uh, And I currently also am an intimacy coordinator Uh, which is how I met Mia. And like Mia said, an intimacy coordinator is someone who uh, facilitates uh, sexual content on an intimacy, intimate content on screen and stage. Um, So that's my background in a tiny little sentence. Y'all, it really is a tiny sentence um, because I'm one of those nosy bitches. Y'all know me. And I Googled the shit out of both of these people because, you know, you can't get into bed with people that aren't taking care of themselves. And I was like in awe of both of them. And I was like, all right, guess we're doing this. Um, And I'm super excited to be a part of this. How did each of you find intimacy work like where did this come from for you Mia do you want to go first I'm actually gonna punt that one to Yehuda because I think we love it yeah he's the origin story of of all of it punt punt accepted um thank you (laughs) uh I uh the way that I came to intimacy work was I was directing a play by this amazing playwright named Thomas Bradshaw in New York City in 2007 and the sexual content in the play was just totally off the hook. Uh, it was very intense. It was triggering. It was uh, reenacting trauma happening to young people. Um, and he was a very uh, esteemed, still is a very esteemed playwright. And so in taking on this role of being a director for him, the cast was so excited to work with him. I was so excited to work with him, but everyone was looking at me like, how are we gonna do this? And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know the answer, but uh, you know, as the voice of sort of like a calm, reasonable director who wanted to keep everyone sort of grounded and, and focused, I said, you know what, we're, we're going to approach this in a, a very sort of measured way. And we're going to not, not work on any of the sexual content for at least the next two weeks. And so we did a lot of work on character, getting to know each other, getting comfortable with each other. And so I just developed the system with these actors as a director, with these actors of how to approach the sexual content of this play. Uh, 
and it turned into a really emotionally vulnerable and beautiful scenario where everyone felt really comfortable with each other, comfortable with the material, and enlisting the performers as collaborators in making it. So it wasn't about me saying, all right, take your clothes off and do these things. We approached, we approached all the scenes very slowly, did a lot of reading, did a lot of table work. And so I, I basically developed a system of how to do it. And since then, people started calling me and asking me to, and this is 2007, this is a while ago. Uh, people started after that calling me and asking me to help them with the sexual content of their shows. Um, and then that led to another play with Thomas again, who called me in to specifically uh, choreograph. And we were, you know, we, we called, we were calling me a sex choreographer because it was like a, in, uh, on stage you would have a fight choreographer come in if you had to, you know, even just have a slap on stage. You'd have to have a whole other, you know, department come in to sort of teach actors how to slap each other or, or, or fight or do any sort of anything like that on stage. And it was really shocking to me in working on Tom's play that, you know, it, if we had had to have just a slap on stage, that we'd have to have this other position come in to do it. But if we we're dealing with really traumatic and triggering sexual content, it was just sort of up to the director and the performers to figure it out. And I was an actor for many years myself and knew a lot of actors who had had to uh, engage in sexual scenes on stage and felt icky about it and just like didn't have a good taste in their mouth after the fact. And there was still awkwardness when they would see their fellow actors or there was still awkwardness when they would see their the, the director at you know some other function or, you know, on the street or at a party or at some other social situation, there was still awkwardness and tension. And so I just felt like that didn't have to be, like we're all at work and we have to figure out a safe and reasonable way to get through this and also deliver the content, make the content amazing. Uh, and so I developed my own system and I'm sort of rambling now. Uh, and uh, and that's, that's how I came into it. And that led to some films and some television work and cut to 2017 when this became a, a much more recognized position uh, on, on sets, and that leads us to where we are today. You know what? You're right. That was a goddamn origin story. I love it. Every time I hear that story, I'm still like, wow, we really can just make up our own damn jobs. I yeah. love it. Yeah, I felt like it was it was it was born for me out of necessity. I didn't know that anyone else was doing it or that anyone had even considered it. And so when I was doing it, I was calling myself a sex choreographer, and that was fun. I felt, and yeah. it was also sort of uh, you know kind of genre breaking at the time, and also was I enjoyed that it was sort of pushing people's comfort boundaries. But for me, it was like hey, we're human beings, we all engage in sexuality, why is there such a taboo around discussing it and, you know, approaching it, you know, like adults, <laughs> you know what I mean, and like, and treating it with respect and, and removing all of the shame from it. Um, and so, yeah, that's, the, that's, that's how I came into the, into the field. I love it. I mean, I'm also someone that's like, everyone is fucking. I don't care. I mean, not everyone, but most of us. And we got here because our parents were having sex. And if we, we don't know how to do it in a way that feels safe for us, that we can actually enjoy it, why are we doing it? Right? So I love that intimacy coordinators exist. I remember when I first got into sex ed, I was trying to figure out my path. And I was like, Ooh, maybe this is the thing. And look at me now. Now I'm somewhat connected. Um, Mia, can you tell us how you found this magical world of healing? Yeah. Um, my background was in dance and acting. Um, I studied acting for the better part of like a decade and a half, and I still dabble. Um and I, I was dancing um, throughout my childhood, like, pretty seriously. Um, and then when I was in college, I, uh, I was studying philosophy, and I got really into um, gender studies and identity and sexuality and kind of um, the way that all of these things overlapped, and especially with 
neuroscience. I was learning a lot about neuroscience and then that turned into kind of like some trauma stuff and PTSD and like interest in mental health. And I, in all of my kind of extracurricular, um, like self learning, it was all about sex and sexuality relationships, um, power dynamics. And then I started writing my own theater, directing theater and, um, and all the stuff that I was interested in and all the stuff that I was writing was, was dealing with those themes, especially around the body, um, and sexual exploration and evolution. Um, and then when I moved, I'm from Los Angeles and I, I spent 10 plus years in New York. And then when I moved back to LA in 2018, a friend of mine asked if I wanted to, co-write a rom-com with her about a woman whose job was to choreograph sex scenes and I said yes and is that a real job like who are these people why have we never heard of them and within about a month a ton of articles started coming out about this new job in Hollywood called an intimacy coordinator and because I was writing this movie people including my parents started sending me these articles like have you heard of this you know look you're, you're ahead of the curve or whatever. And I then got a job as a casting assistant on a show called The Affair. We hired, or the show hired an intimacy coordinator and I emailed her and I was like, Hey, I'm writing this movie. Um, I'd love to interview you if you'd be willing. Cause, cause my main character is an intimacy coordinator. Um, and she said, yeah, totally. And then we got together. Um, and my friend and I interviewed her. And when my friend left, I just turned to her and was like, are you training people? Like, this sounds like the kind of um, nexus of like everything that I've ever been interested in, in school, in my, in my personal life. Like I've always been the friend that people come to with like sex and relationship, you know, issues. And that's just always kind of been who I am. And I've always been able, and I don't know why this is, I'd have to do some real digging, but I've always been able to kind of talk about these things that are difficult for a lot of people to talk about in a really casual um, and like factual way. So it was a really, really logical move. My plan B all through my twenties was like, if theater writing doesn't work out, I'm going to become a sex educator, which as I now understand, like that's a pretty silly plan B. Um, cause that's also really hard to do as a career. Um, so this just felt like someone had kind of like broken into my brain and designed this job for me and then kind of landed it right in my lap. Um, so that's how I ended up in this field. It was a really fortunate, like, right place, right time kind of thing. You know, it's funny when you're talking about, like, oh, you know, sex ed was my plan B. I didn't understand personally how hard being an intimacy coordinator was until I was, like, in classes. And I was like, oh, I don't know about this, honey. This is a whole ass journey. Um, and I think this is a great conversation because, you know, we do train individuals and some people come in like, no, I think I just want this as like a part time gig. But this is a serious full time situation. Um, and my next question is, do you think that any of the trauma that you have had in your own life has led you to getting into this work? Either of you can answer. Absolutely. I love that question. Um, I've actually thought quite a bit because I wrote about a traumatic sexual experience that I had um, recently, somewhat recently, uh, and it came out, an article, the article that I wrote came out in Salty World several months ago, and I've had to ask myself, would I be living the life that I'm currently living if that experience hadn't happened to me? And I think without a doubt, the answer is no. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm like grateful for that experience or that I think that anyone should have to go through that experience or this sort of cluster of experiences that I had. Um, and yet if there was like no positive outcome of it, it almost feels to me like it would be a waste. Um, so I've had to really look at the trauma that I've withstood, I guess I would say, and, um, and, and ask like, how, 
how has it crafted me and how has it contributed to my life? And the other, the other trauma that Jim, like you're familiar with and Yehuda, you too, is like all of this medical trauma that I have and all of this struggle with, with chronic illness and gut issues, which of course we also understand now is very often related to early childhood and even inherited trauma. So what has happened for me that's been so amazing and expansive about this work is that so much of the work that I do to heal my body and heal my gut is exactly the same work that helps me be a better intimacy coordinator and vice versa. So like as I'm learning about polyvagal theory, I'm not just applying it to myself and my body and my health. Um, I'm also applying it to the people that I teach and my classes and my clients and also on set. Yeah, that's amazing. That's incredible, Mia. And uh, I totally agree. Um, I think that my uh, own experiences have sort of created a sense of wanting to figure out ways to healthy ways for me to have my own set of boundaries and and like self uh, like uh, what's the word like preservation. And so it's pretty incredible to be able to offer that to actors and other people that we work with in this field um, and to extend that sense of sort of self-care and self-safety and teach that to other people and to say, actually, you you know, actors notoriously have, you know, very few boundaries because you're trained not to have any uh, as an actor. Um, And so... Being able to inform people about boundaries and that you have them and that we all have them and that you can speak up about them and that you and, and that we're going to be there to help you enforce them and to take care of yourself, which will enable you to do, do better work in this particular situation, uh, is really empowering. And there's like a healing thing in that, like by offering this sort of safe space and healing, like there's some sort of transference self-healing that happens inside of that too that's really satisfying. I love that. Um, I And I ask that because this, you know, this is a trauma queen podcast and we do talk about trauma of various degrees and how it shows up in our bodies and how it allows us to create other things. So... Why, if, you know, you were already doing the work and you had already been doing your training and everything, like, you didn't have to create something else. What led you to wanting to create Centurico? Like, I know I wasn't the first person that was supposed to be in this in this threesome here, in this tripod. Um, and I know there were other individuals, but I'm so thankful that I got to do it. But what led both of you to wanting to create a whole new business and a whole new space for folks to learn if they already existed. I'm going to punt this one to Mia uh, (laughs) because I feel like Mia... I love this punt. Punting. (laughs) That we're we're so sports oriented here. Um, (laughs) Not really. (laughs) For those listening. So not Um, really. (laughs) So not really. Um, Yeah. Punt accepted. Yeah. Take it. Is that how they play football? They go, punt accepted. Yeah, you have to scream that, I think, when right. someone punts to you. Like, punt accepted, mm-hmm. and then you catch mm-hmm. the punt. Is that how it works? Cool. This is yeah, why I watch wrestling. Like, right, that <laughs> sounds like football to me. Um, okay, well, I did not want to train people. I, for like, for, I had been intimacy coordinating for all of like a month and a half before a bunch of people were like, can you train me to do this? And I was like, no. A, I don't have enough experience. And B, I really don't want to. I really did not want to be, like, running a company doing this. And it seemed like such a responsibility and um, being responsible to so many people and all this stuff. um, It just was not what I wanted to do. And what happened was I was, and I'm just going to be rather blunt here, um, I was trying really hard to get people of color trained to do this job. Um, And I was doing it kind of um, by 
insisting that that was really important and that diversity and like representation in this field was absolutely crucial. And I was pointing out that it was that any sort of um, implicit bias, cultural diversity, anything around race was missing from the, the training that I received. And I tried to bring in um, Cameron Glover to teach a unit and um, got shut down. And I was um, really trying to, to, to make it understood that this was not just my opinion, that, that this was important and that it was really like crucial to the future of this field. Um, because this field was immediately dominated by, by white women. Um, and I, 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 I include myself in the group of white women. I'm a white woman, even though I'm a gender queer person. So, uh, eventually, um, it was made really clear to me, like the nail was put in the coffin, um, back in March that people of color in Los Angeles were not going to get trained to be intimacy coordinators, um, for various reasons. Um, there's, you know, there's some explanation to that there, but basically I was told that, um, more intimacy coordinators in LA was going to flood the field and that it was bad economics and it was going to mean less work for me. Uh, and for the intimacy coordinators who are already here. And at that point, and Yehuda and I talked about this, like that is how white supremacy, um, you know, leeches on and does not let go. That is how it, and not just leeches on, but like builds roots and networks and really um, does not allow uh, the world around it to change. Um, and I really just couldn't at that point, um, turn away. And it felt more and more like if it's not going to happen with this, with the, 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 the training that was available in Los Angeles, that I was going to need to, to build it. Um, and I had been approached by someone who was trying to do that. Um, it didn't, it just didn't work out for, for various reasons. Um, and then Yehuda and I um, decided we were going to try to do this on our own. And I tried to, uh, or I reached out to Cameron Glover, um, the sex educator. And she was super stoked about this project and we were working on it together. And then I think, I think it became a lot bigger than, than any of us had realized it was going to be in terms of like workload and commitment and scheduling and stuff. And so Cameron so graciously was like, I basically like bit off more than I can chew and, um, I'm going to connect you with somebody else. And then suddenly I had an email in my inbox from Jiminika Eborn, the trauma queen, um, who I had so creepily been stalking on the internet apparently um thank you for admitting that thank you yeah you're welcome um so I was I mean I was like yes oh my god because I had wanted to work with Cameron because I thought it would be amazing to have like a as one of the three facilitators of this cohort of this like training program to be a sex educator seemed so important to me and then when she put us in touch with you, you know, with your additional, with your, like, um, with your psych background and your, your trauma work, I was like, this is, this is such an incredible fit. This is so deeply what I want my, like anything that I'm putting my name on, I want it to be trauma informed in a really, like, not in like a survey surface level way, but like from the foundation. Um, and so that's, that's how the three of us got together. And that's why, that's why it's a bit of a hard story to tell. I don't, I don't love the way that it happened in that it was like coming out of the fact that, um, I was being sort of shut down, uh, over and over again when I was trying to, to speak up about this, but so, you know, say la vie. Yeah, there's a, a lot of ups and downs and twists and turns to this story. Um, and Mia sort of, you know, summed it up pretty perfectly. Uh, you know, me and I were 
friendly and knew each other and were getting to know each other and helping. You know, there's a big support network of intimacy coordinators because it is actually a really hard job. And so all the intimacy coordinators are, you know, for the most part, super supportive um, of each other and what they're doing, especially because of the acceptance of the position on set as, as, as people get more used to having intimacy coordinators on set. And so when Mia approached me about basically everything that she just told you all, um, I just was just like, yeah, absolutely. And I really come from uh, just a position of as a, as a storyteller and art maker um, of like an authenticity of voice and vision. And I feel like, you know, the more diverse perspective that is involved in the field, the more authentically stories are going to be told. And that was a really sort of driving force for me. Um, racial justice equality, you know, doing what we can to subvert white supremacy, all of that stuff, yes, also. Um, for me as like an art maker was really kind of my, my way in and I really wanted to help more stories get told because I, I see a real sort of limitation in the media that we are, that we get to absorb. Um, and a lot of it comes from a perspective of, you know, there's a lot of perspectives of storytellers, but really like once you continue going up the chain, like there's networks who are in charge of telling us the public and, you know, green lighting what stories it is that we are going to have access to. And so I feel like the more voices and the more vision there is in the mix, the more we can actually get in touch with our humanity uh, and see, you know, just the diverse spectrum and multiplicity of, of all sorts of kinds of stories that are actually out there and that need to be told. And period and sentence, Jamaica. <laughs> Yeah, no, totally. I think that that's so funny. I was just waiting to. Um, I think that with this role and having friends that are actors, as you both do, and hearing their stories and sometimes like hearing what goes on on set, it like lights a fire within me that I'm like, we need to burn it all down. And then I'm like, come on, pull it back, girl. Let's let's navigate this. And I think... <laughs> being able to have someone else there on set that is literally there just to support you and keep you safe sounds amazing to me, right? But here's the but. Do y'all want to tell me about uh, possible pushbacks <laughs> that you may have experienced in this? Oh, Mia's ready. Because all this job is, it's not all amazing. It's not all like, oh, I get to hang out with celebrities and do a thing. That's that's not that. Yeah, I can uh, I can talk about I can talk about that. Um, I have yet to be on a set where there was not an ounce of pushback from somebody. Um, there is a lot of I think that generally the pushback comes from a misunderstanding about what this job is and the kind of misunderstanding that's taking place gives me a lot of information about the the person that I'm interacting with so um, a big a big question that I get a lot is um, are you a therapist or like do you have a master's in psychology and that's always kind of funny to me because I don't think that anyone asks stunt coordinators are you a physical therapist? Are you a doctor? Are you like, you know, I don't, I don't think that people are getting that kind of line of questioning. There are misconceptions that were HR. Um, I've been called the sex police to my face on a set. Um, not in like a, an antagonistic way, but just sort of like, we're feeling policed. Like we feel like you're the sex police. Um, and then later I was told, like, now that we understand that you're not the sex police. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, really not. Um, I'm, we're not mental health professionals. We're not onset therapists. We're not counselors. We're not sent by the network to inspect and keep tabs on people's behavior. I've been apologized to for, for cursing before. Like someone said, fuck, and then was like, oh, 
sorry, you know, excuse me. And I was like, I really don't care what language you use. Um, it's, it's always, uh, really sad to me when there's resistance because it, it almost always highlights like a pretty deep insecurity. I mean, I think we see that a lot of times when people are, um, defensive, it's usually because there's an insecurity under there. And so what I've experienced is, um, I've had, I had an actor, uh, a lead on a show say to me, um, yeah, like cool that your job exists. Um, I'm good. So you're really just here for everyone else. And again, I don't think that anyone would ever say that to a stunt coordinator. And I don't think that when stunt coordinators came into existence that anyone thought that that, I mean, maybe people did think that, that, that it was a bad idea or that it was going to like ruin fight scenes. I don't know. It, people seem to, there, there's a perception that we are there to like neuter or censor sex scenes, make them less sexy, less organic. And, and what, what really bums me out about that is that what we do is that we provide a structure and structure, just like lines in a script and blocking for movement gives actors room in which to play. Um, those rules actually, just like a prompt, like a writing prompt, you know, like if I say to you, give me 3000 words on anything you want, you're probably going to freeze from overwhelm. But if I say, give me 3000 words on this particular topic through the perspective of this particular aspect of your experience, you're going to have a lot more room to play and a lot more confidence playing within those restraints. Um, so yeah, this, the, the resistance that, I mean, I'm sure you can hear in my voice that it like gets me a little worked up. It just, it bums me out when people don't want to engage with this process because I, when people do engage with this process, the shooting goes more efficiently. Everyone has a great time. And as Yehuda said, like, afterwards we can all move on with our lives and not have these like awkward moments of like oh you touched me here and now I can't make eye contact with you <laughs> you know um so yeah that's my little rant about resistance to this job yeah totally um uh I wanted to you know say similarly to what to just sort of echo something that Mia said, which is w what we do is the same way that like, if you want to throw someone out of a window, it's like, what is the glass? Who is the performer who's going to do it? What kind of mat is outside? You know, like just asking those questions instead of like, all right, I guess just, you know, toss yourself out that window and let's like start rolling and see what happens. Yeah, just try it. See how it goes. We'll yeah, see how it goes. It. So like I, I, as an actor, I've been in the room when a director's been like, all right, I guess just like make out and let's like, you know, see what happens. Just like get on, you know, and it's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like you have to, you know, there's ways to work into this uh, so that everyone feels comfortable and everyone starts doing better work and that it's not awkward um, and that, you know, you can actually go much further when you understand that there are boundaries in place and that if you're like, listen, I really don't like my neck touched and the actor that you're working with knows that and there's someone kind of facilitating that type of communication and dialogue that the actor knows that their neck is not going to get touched and if it does, we're going to stop for a second and like, you know, check in and make sure that everything is okay. Um, that that particular performer is going to be able to go much further in the scene uh, with less inhibitions, knowing that their boundaries are going to be protected. And so we are there to make the scenes hotter, better, or whatever the scene needs to be. Like, we are there to make it more of what it needs to be and do that in a safe way so that if you're on, like, an eight-month shoot and, like, you're shooting a sex scene on, like, week one that like it doesn't feel awkward with your, I mean, you're at work and you're at work like 15 hours a day on set. And so, you know, why have there be that awkwardness and like that in, you know, it, it, it just creates friction and that friction means like less good work in, in my opinion. And Yehuda, just to, to something that you just said, you know, you were saying that like knowing, being able to trust that your scene partner knows not to touch your neck is gonna free you up to, to explore and play. Um, 
knowing that you that your scene partner doesn't want you to touch their neck like as that person's scene partner is also going to free you up because you're not then going to be moving around afraid of like hitting a landmine it, totally. it actually like what happens so often is that you know i'll say to someone like okay can let's let's talk about boundaries like is there anywhere that you don't want to be touched and they go no you can touch me anywhere and you know we've talked about this so much that, that that actually causes a scene partner to freeze. Like when someone, if someone tells me that I can touch them anywhere, I, I just go, oh, I'm not going to touch you anywhere that could even possibly not be comfortable because you're giving me no guidance. And so what we do as intimacy coordinators is we help build a menu so that anything that's not on the menu is not on the table. We build that menu and then people can explore freely within that menu and not be afraid that they're going to do anything that's going to harm anybody. Totally. And so often, like, you know, I'm sure it's happened, but I've never been in a situation where like a director or a producer or an actor wants to cause harm to somebody else. Like, I just haven't been in that. I'm sure it's happened, but like, I've never been in that situation. And so I think that everyone wants to be careful. Everybody wants to respect people's boundaries. Everyone knows that we're at work and everyone wants to like get along and get the day done and do it well and efficiently and have it look amazing. And so that's what we do. Like that's what we facilitate. Um, and the scenes go much more quickly. And, you know, it's, it, it, and it's really fun. <laughs> it's actually really fun. Like, you know, helping to stage and choreograph, like, an amazing sex scene that, like, when you're watching it, you can feel it. And that's, like, one of the, like, artistic principles that I go into scenes with when I'm speaking with directors and with actors. Like, I don't think you have to see everything. You don't have to see it, but you have to feel it. And so, and there's also a million ways to tell a story, uh, you know, with... uh, particularly I mean like in in any medium there's so many ways to tell a story but like particularly in film when you're dealing with costume lighting angles you know like uh, camera angles like there's just so many ways to tell a story and there's so many ways to get to the root feeling of what the director wants and what the director's vision is it doesn't always necessarily need to mean that you have to show everything and so I, I just feel like there's so much possibility for creativity and for understanding people in a different way um, through, I, I think one of the really uh, sort of tangenting for a second, but one of the amazing things that has happened through, uh, you know, having more intimacy coordinators on set is lately, like in the past year and a half, I've seen intimate and sex scenes go much further than I ever have. And like, that could just be like, you know, a, a sign of like, uh, you know, because we're always sort of pushing the envelope and things always need to be more, more, more. And that's also true. But I also see like a real sort of nuance of persona and sexual persona like come out and that that drives sort of character revelation. And that's really interesting to me. Like, I think that there's so much to learn from sexuality in general, like just as because we're sexual, like we're human beings. Um, and even even asexuality is a type of sexuality. So I feel like we all sort of engage in this idea of like what, you know, our, our relationship to sexuality in some way. And it's so revealing of character. And, you know, some the way that you interact with somebody socially on the street or at a party might be completely different from the way that they would open themselves up to you or to a partner and how that they would, you know, communicate uh, in a more intimate setting. And so I feel like suddenly there's such a, like, a, an amazing vista of, like, you know, just opportunity for, like, new types of character development and character depth that gets revealed through this portrayal of new types of sexuality. And I'm seeing so much more now, whereas, you know, typically, like, you know, even, like, five years ago, a lot of the sexuality that we see on screen is like kind of one of two blueprints. It's either sexual or kinky, you know, and kinky is usually like has to do with some sort of like shame of like, you know, oh, the kink, you know, the, this person is messed up because there's kink involved or there's like something like untoward about it. Uh, but there's just so much more like revelation of character and nuance now that I feel like you can really sort of get into a deeper psychology of a character through their sexuality. And I think that that's really incredible. 
Yeah, I love that. I I love that there's so many different sides of it. I also love that Mia kept talking about a menu, and I was like, oh, it's almost lunchtime for me. Um, but I I do, I do love the aspect of it not just being one sided. I've been like, well, this is why I do the thing. Um, and what what I love to do here on the TQ um, is show both sides of things. So you, you talked about like the pushback and the hard things about this job because of those things, what brings you back? And I feel like Yehuda answered this a, a bit for himself, but what brings you back and continues you wanting to do this work? Ooh. Yehuda, you want to go? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I just love this work. It's, sort of uh it's real and it's fake at the same time it requires incredible communication um it enables people to uh connect with each other and to understand each other in a different way shooting an intimate scene is actually intimate like there is an intimacy there like that's a very it's a you're acting a certain character intimacy but the engagement that you have to have with your fellow performer or performers, depending on the scene, is actually intimate. And so there's like a respect that has to be sort of upheld and engendered between people. And I feel like the furthering of that communication between people is a really beautiful space to be in. And it's a type of healing that I feel like culturally just we all need right now in general, uh, or that I crave personally. Um, and so, uh, and and also just how to continue to push the envelope of the work. How can you get the work to feel more real, more funny, more poignant, more in tune with what the character wants, more complicated? How does it like add more dimensions to a human being and to a character um, to suddenly see what their intimate preferences are? I feel like there's such a, uh, a just a, a a lot to mine there in terms of like, you know, understanding of humans and also teaching of how we can connect to each other and be more connected human beings in the world. And I feel like all of the media that we consume and we as a culture consume a lot of media all the time, daily. Um, I feel like if you start putting like, you know, good stories out there and the foundation of how you make those stories is actually also good, you know, like that there's like a good ethos to that. I feel like that that's a really sort of powerful force possibly for like, you know, cultural transformation. That's sort of my lofty thing. And then also I just love making <laughs> like making sex scenes. They're really fun. Um, so that's sort of the, you know, kind of two sides of that. I think I keep coming back. Um, I mean, I, I should say that the 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 resistance and the pushback and the negative experiences that I've had when people like very clearly don't want me on set um, are greatly outweighed by by positive experiences. I think you know. I think that we we. F- focus sometimes on the negative aspects of things the same way that like the news does like we can get a ton of good news and then one one piece of criticism and we're like I'm a failure so I'm I keep coming back because the 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 beautiful moments on set are so moving and so impactful like when I leave a set and, and a director turns to me and is like, I could not have done this without you. Or gives me a high five. Or um, when an actor texts me the next day and is like, Mia, you made me feel so safe doing that. I had an actor tell me um, the day after a scene that she had never done a sex scene in her life because of um, something that had happened to her in her past. And this had been like a huge breakthrough for her and she felt that it was going to improve her career like it was like literally taking the the limits off of what she felt comfortable auditioning for um having having been um supported through that process of this one scene um the the gratitude I think when when I'm having a positive experience really does feel amazing and then to see the finished product and to think to like be able to look at it and and see 
where I got to sort of creatively participate in this collaborated collaborative scene um, is is really huge for me. It feels it feels really cool to see that kind of work um, in 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 the way that it comes across on a TV show as like a work of art um, and thinking of that as part of my my art, like really as an art form um, is is super duper cool. I think the same way that you was talking about kind of two sides of it, there's like, yeah, it feels really good to be appreciated and to contribute to something like that. Um, and also I'm like this, the second piece of it for me is that I am, I am truly obsessed with, with consent and boundaries like that, having that come into my life, um, changed my life so drastically for the better. It changed my interpersonal relationships, my family relationships, my work relationships, my sexual relationships. Um, and being able to participate in that, uh, in like facilitating that for other people, um, really keeps me wanting to do this work. Snap, 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 snap. I'm snapping. I love it. I love it. Well, you are the consent wizard. Are, are you not? I am. I am indeed. <laughs> Yehuda, we got to get you a cool name. I mean, Yehuda's great, but come on. Yeah, right. You're going to be in this family. We got to get you a name. I love that when Siri tries to tell me that I have a text message from Yehuda, um, Siri says, Yehuda, do nice. So I feel like that's a great <laughs> alias for Yehuda. And I think it's fitting. Yehuda is our gentle giant, like way sweeter and nicer. Not that me and I are not nice humans. I actually, I don't think I'm nice. Uh, but Yehuda's the nice one. Yeah. He's the nice one in this trio. I'm blushing. I'm blushing. (laughs) Yeah. And I love you both. (laughs) We're not awful. We're just like, what do you want? Talk faster. No, that's why I love you. I'm like, oh man, I wish I could do that. (laughs) It's a good balance. It's a really good balance. balance. I love a good balance. Um, speaking of balance, I actually didn't have anything to follow up with that, but it sounded good, right? Like, good segue, non-segue. Thank you. Thank, thank, appreciate it. Um, so if someone wanted to get into this before we get into more, before we end out talking more about Centurico, if someone wanted to get into this work and you had only two sentences to provide to them, what would you say to them? Oh, the silence. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> think about that. Two sentences. Two. Yeah, stru- we're giving structure here. <laughs> you mean aside from like, go, like take a look at our website? Yeah, we'll get to that. But like, okay. if they're like, I think this is what I want to do. Like, this is made out for me. Like, what are the two things, two things or mm. two sentences? Because I'll give you more words that you wish someone had told you before you just hopped in. Not like you really okay. just hopped in, but you know. Okay, I, I think I, I know, I think I, know. I think I understand. And I think what I would say is um, this work starts with yourself. So work, work yes. on yourself um, before you, yeah, before you try to get into um, supporting other people. You know, this isn't funny, but it is. When you said work on yourself before, I, in my brain, I was like, before you wreck yourself. And I was like, that's not, <laughs> that's not what you should say. But now I've said it, so here we are. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I mean, it's, um, tr- it's, it's a good one. Yeah. It's super true. That's really true, <laughs> Mia. Um, I would also say that there, this will be hopefully less than two. It's not going to be two sentences. Uh, it, I'll try Rule breaker. Uh, yeah. Uh, I I would say, number one, that there's so many different moving parts to the job, and it requires a lot of different skills from a lot of different places in your life. And so I actually think that a good thing to look at is the SAG-AFTRA guidelines for what is required of an intimacy coordinator and what the sort of recognized protocol is starting to be. And And, and me and I have been part of the sort of larger group think tank that's been helping to sort of formulate those ideas. And you'll see on there that there are a lot of different uh, fields that uh, you should sort of be well versed in. 
And so that would just be a good starting place to go. It's like it's like SAG after slash intimacy or something like it's easy to find with a Google search. Um, it's actually a really interesting place to see sort of all of the different skill sets that are that it, it require that the the job requires. And then you can start to sort of, you know, number one, see if you feel like it's actually for you. And number two, start to acquire some of those skill sets outside of like a formal intimacy coordinator training, uh, which we can segue into because that's something that the three of us in Centauri Co. offer. Um, well, before we segue, yeah. um, I, I had been giving a presentation to like casting directors and producers and network executives and, and people at studios um, about what an intimacy coordinator is, like what the role is, what our training is, um, what our backgrounds are, uh, and like who to hire and why and so on. Um, and I, I recently recorded that presentation and it's available on my website for free. Um, it's like 40 minutes long. So if you're, if you're really truly, um, uh, if you're really truly interested in, in this job, that's a really great place to start to see the like the full scope of it and get a sense of of what this job entails and what training for it looks like so i love all of that i love like knowing about all sides of the business i love knowing about like your personal experiences because it also helps me being in this partnership with you all and centurico we've actually had partially our first cohort um, we, we say partially because, you know, COVID and we can't be near each other and stuff, but when creating like the content for this cohort, what like came to mind for you? That's the first part. And how do you think it's going so far? <laughs> how do I think Good. it's going so far? Yeah. Good questions. Um, Jim and Nika. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. I can start, Yehuda. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, so in terms of like building curriculum, as I said, I'm obsessed with consent. Um, and so there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of like research and learning that I was doing on consent after my training that as I was learning it, and this is not um, this is not a reflection on my training. I mean, my training was fantastic. Um, but then I kind of moved into like finding my own niche within what I was interested in, in this, in this field and, and consent was where I landed. Um, and so there was a lot of stuff that I was learning where I was like, whoa, this is super effective for my work. This is super useful. I want to share this with other people and other intimacy coordinators. So I really wanted consent to be, to be, to be a huge focus. And I also wanted, um, being trauma informed to be a big focus, um, as well as the ways that both of those things, um, help us learn about ourselves. I think that something that we've tried to really, really instill in our students that I love about what we're teaching is that like, you have a voice you have an opinion, you have judgment, and we want you to use those things and not not do things on set the way that you think I would do them or the way that you think that Yehuda would do them, but the way that you would do them. And of course, that takes certain a certain amount of training to like build that confidence. Um, but we really, I think we really focus a lot on, um, you know, figuring out who you are and what your mission is as an intimacy coordinator for our students and how I think it's going. I'll let you who to answer and then I'll tell you how I think it's going. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I second everything Mia said. Um, and I, uh, how do I think it's going? I, I'm so pleasantly surprised. I was very nervous going into it because I think that it's a huge responsibility uh, I think the job is a really big responsibility and uh, wanting to make sure that we're providing the right information uh, in a clear way to our, you know, cohort, to the students. Um, and so 
Um, I'm, I've been really sort of impressed with the whole thing and also felt like I, I didn't realize how much there was to learn. I, I've never, I, I've taught a little bit in my life, but like I've learned also so much from the cohort in return. And that was a really big, beautiful surprise for me, um, uh, which I really appreciated. We are, I would say like two thirds of the way through the cohort. We finished the online portion because there really is like a lot of administrative and just kind of like somewhat sometimes slightly boring, like, you know, nuts and bolts stuff about like contracts and riders and, you know, how to have your, you know, director meetings and actor meetings. Like there's just a lot of sort of, you know, stuff to get through. Um, the part that I'm really excited to get into is the actual like in-person training and choreography. Um, and that is sort of like the really exciting part of the job for me. Um, it's also the part that you get to do the least, like most of the time is, you know, dealt, you know, you're dealing with a lot of like prep, um, and then the actual onset time and like your time in front of the camera with the performers, I feel like is the smallest amount of time, but also the most fun. And so I'm really excited to get into uh, that, the choreography workshop. And obviously because of the vid, we are, you know, kind of limited in terms of like what we can plan. And it's been, you know, kind of put a, a, a wrench in the works of like how we can all assemble and get together safely and stuff like that. So that's what we're figuring out for, you know, the first quarter of the new year. And so I'm, I'm really excited about the way that the, that the cohort is shaping up. And to answer the question of how I think it's going, I think it's going great. Jim, I think at the end of our 12-week um, classes, you said that this was the best threesome you'd ever been in, and I, I second that. Yeah, it's a good, it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's been such an educational time. Um, I Okay, here's the thing. I'm very tricky and picky of like who I have around me. So like joining this triad, I was like, mm, I don't know about y'all. And then I was like, oh, okay, mind you, because of this bitch Rona, we didn't meet in person for months. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That was super weird. Right? Like most of the time when you when you work with someone, you see them, you like shake their hand, you get to know them, maybe you'll do a thing. But we the thing we did was called Zoom. That's, that was our thing. Um, but I, hold on, Ellie is mad. <laughs> I think for me, like being in this, this group and being around these individuals, like our cohort is amazing and like surprised me every day. And what I do love about working with individuals is when we get to see their growth. And I think at the end of the few weeks, we were like, oh my gosh, can you believe how much these individuals have grown and evolved and stepped out of their comfort zone? And I think with this job, again, I am not an intimacy coordinator at this point in time because mama does stay in school though, so you never know. But I think the amazing thing about this is truly just seeing how the folks that we chose to be in this cohort are going to help change the industry. Totally. I, to I totally agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, I think especially, like, some of our students who are, you know, shyer and quieter, and I don't want to blow up anyone's spot, the, w the way that they have just expanded and grown into themselves absolutely. in such a short period, short period of time really blew me away. I mean, that, like, when you're asking, you know, what is the work that keeps you coming back, like, that, that's how I feel about that. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. Well, I think we've talked about all the things, and I'm super excited to, to, like, continue doing this work with y'all. Before, I know you, Yehuda has to go, but before you go, can you tell the lovely humans where they can find you? Yes. I can be found at xxxy no what is it <laughs> my website is <laughs> my website is xxxyehuda.com and my handle is at xxxyehuda 
xy underscore one, which is the worst handle in the world. But that's, I'm gonna put it in the show notes as well. Yeah, put it in the show. Put it in the show notes. I was about to look it up. I was like, if you can't get it, I can't help you. So many x's. Okay, we love you. Have a great meeting. Bye, Yehuda. Love you. Ah, that is so funny. Yeah. Are there any last words or thoughts that you want to share? With these um, lovely humans listening? Yes. Um, my computer, however, says that it's about to die, even though it is plugged into an outlet. Oh, that is so sweet. It's okay. I, I am the one to edit it. Yes, so plug it up. <laughs> it's okay. Centurico be found. Oh, funny you should ask. I know, um, right? We have a website, um, centauri.co. Um, Centauri is spelled C-E-N-T-A-U-R-Y. It's a reference to a flower. Um, I trained in flower essences, and the Centauri flower helps us say no. Um, and then we are also on Instagram. On the gram. Yeah, uh, at... Centauri, I want to say, yeah, Centauri.co. So we're, yep. both, that's both our, our website and our Instagram. Yay, this has been magical and great. And I'm so glad that, you know, hopefully more folks will learn about this magical work and also who you are. And if you need some consent support, guess who we got here? The consent mm-hmm. fucking wizard. I don't think fucking's <laughs> in their name, but maybe on some cards. I don't know. But I am so glad we got to do this. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Jiminika. This was really a really lovely conversation to have. It's really nice to go deeper than the like 101 what is an intimacy coordinator conversation. So this was this was really lovely. Yay.